Hey there, a couple quick housekeeping notes before we get to the IU Louisiana Tech post-game show. As you know, normally we do an episode of Assembly Call Radio every Thursday night at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Thanksgiving week is always a little bit tricky because it always falls on a Thursday, obviously. So sometimes we try and do a show on on a Wednesday. Sometimes we try and pick it up on Friday. This week, the scheduling didn't really work out. So we're just taking the week off from Assembly Call Radio this week. So no show Thursday night. The next episode of Assembly Call uh, of the Assembly Call will be on Saturday after the South Dakota State game. We will have a post game show for that. Remember that that game is on BTN Plus. So you know, I know a lot of you like me. You know, you canceled your you know your BTN Plus subscription. You're going to have to get it back up again, at least for this game. Uh, and then we'll have the post game show for you right afterwards, as always, at assemblycall.com. But barring any type of schedule change, that is the last BTN Plus game for the season. So. You know, you could also go get tickets to that game, you know, over Thanksgiving holiday, a sub-200 opponent. Can't imagine that, uh, you know, the place is going to be packed or the tickets are going to cost a lot. And if you do want to go get tickets, go to SeatGeek because, you know, SeatGeek has really revolutionized the way that tickets are browsed and the way that they're purchased online. They've got this really cool and really useful, you know, useful obviously is better than cool, uh, but it's a color-coded system, you know, so you can actually see how what kind of a deal you're getting on a ticket and i found this really valuable you know i just this past week i bought my wife and i tickets to go see hamilton hamilton's coming to dallas fort worth in june and i wanted to go buy tickets but it was at the bass uh, performance hall which I, i've only been to once but I, you know i don't really remember the seats and all you know that kind of stuff and so i wasn't really sure okay what is you know what are the good values here i just don't have a lot of experience with the venue well, having that color-coded system to where I could see, okay, the green dots are the good deals, the red dots, those tickets are overpriced, that really helped me you know, save some money on tickets that were pretty expensive. Um, so you know, SeatGeek really helps you out there, plus every purchase is fully guaranteed, so that's obviously helpful. And they just have a big selection. I mean, you want to go to a, you know, a musical, you want to go to a sporting event, uh, you, know, you need tickets to the IU-Purdue game, they have those tickets there. So whatever you need, SeatGeek is the place to go. It's a great experience. You're going to get good value. And that's why I use it. That's why I have it on my phone. That's why I feel comfortable recommending it to you. And uh, SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. All right. Now let's get to it. The IU Louisiana Tech postgame show. I am not on this postgame show. Uh, Monday night was my anniversary, my four-year anniversary. Uh, and so I was spending it with my wife and daughter. Uh, but Coach and Andy have it. They watched every minute. They're here to break it down. So here it is, the IU Louisiana Tech postgame show. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call. Today, your Indiana Hoosiers defeated Louisiana Tech 88-75 to after a great uh, first 12 minutes of action that saw the Hoosiers jump out to a 39-16 lead in a dominating defensive effort and a de- dominating offensive effort, especially in transition offense. The Hoosiers look to be maybe on their way to a somewhat easy victory, but that was not going to be the case. Uh, Louisiana Tech stayed in there, uh, and Indiana led up at about the eight-minute mark of the first half, uh, took a 52-36 to uh, point lead into the half, and again, everyone was wondering what kind of second half we were going to have. Well, the second half 
was not quite as enjoyable as the first 12 minutes. At one point in the first eight minutes, I think Indiana had nine turnovers, made some questionable decisions on offense, which led to a much tighter game than what the game should have been. And the final 88-75 leaves a lot of us uh, wondering uh, what happened in the second half, and I'm sure we'll hear from Coach Miller a little bit uh, about that. I'm your host, Brian Tonsoni. I'm here with Andy Bottoms, and we will break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. And let's start this show the way we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. Our banner moment tonight, for me, started out when the ball was tipped off. I, I thought the energy in the building uh, brought by the Indiana Hoosiers defensively really set the tone for that 39-16 to outburst in the first 12 minutes. That was something that wasn't there in the last game against Princeton, which led to Indiana having to make some big-time adjustments in the second half and pulling that game out. I was really impressed with the stance, the active hands, the closeouts. Not every possession was defended well, but it did set the tone. And then on the other end, Indiana went out uh, and pushed out the lead quite easily on the break. So I thought the the approach that Indiana brought to the game is is my banner moment. And now we'll talk here about making that a little more uh, consistently. So our banner moment tonight, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, which was founded by an IU grad and remains based in Indianapolis. If you haven't been paying attention to what's been going on, over at Homefield Apparel, you really need to go to their website, homefieldapparel.com, as soon as you can to check it out. Homefield still has the incredible, comfortable Bison Logan hoodie, which is made out of their soft tri-blend material. In addition to the Bison hoodie and the IU Basketball Champions t-shirt and the vintage sneakers design, Homefield has also been releasing an IU football-inspired design each week during the football season. Wait until you see what they have planned for the Purdue game, and I believe it just came out earlier today. Check out all of their unique vintage designs that you simply cannot find anywhere else, and certainly not on material this comfortable. Here's one final note that you need to know before you you order. Because you're a member of the Assembly Call audience, you get a massive discount when you order at homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. That's ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your order. Go to homefieldapparel.com today and get the most unique and comfortable IU apparel anywhere. Okay, now it's time to move the ball and find the open man and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. It's a two-man show today. Uh, Jared's off and Ryan is traveling the world like Ethan Happ. And uh, so we have uh, Andy with us today, a two-man crew. What is your bottoms line on this effort from the Indiana Hoosiers? Well, for potentially the first time ever, uh, I'd like to quote Charles Dickens. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times because I truly thought that the first 12 minutes of the game were about as good as IU has played all season, as you mentioned in your opening. I'm like calling my my younger daughter over. We worked on defense at her basketball practice tonight. I'm like calling her over like, look at what this guy's doing here and whatever. And then luckily she went to bed before the rest of the game was played because there's a lot to uh, a lot left to be desired at that point. But, you know, like you, I, I really liked how the team came out at the beginning of the game. I thought they were, were really focused and and was impressed by that. The offense was crisp. The defense, uh, the rotations were good. 
uh, everything looked great. And then for about a four minute stretch there between, I think between the under eight and the under four minute timeout, things got a little bit sloppy on both ends. They, they started to relax a little bit defensively, gave up some open shots and then they stemmed the tide, uh, toward the end of the first half. Um, they played a, a lineup that had trace as the five kind of got, got themselves out of some of the issues that they'd been having defensively. And so you kind of felt like they'd weathered the storm at that point. Uh, beginning of the second half was really just poor, poor basketball from both teams. And I think had, you know, there were multiple opportunities for Louisiana tech to take advantage. And some of that I credit to the IU defense to be able to force turnovers as well. Uh, but some of those were unforced in the same way the, the IU ones were just angles weren't there to make the passes that, uh, IU was trying to make. So I think from a, I guess from a coaching standpoint, you probably go away from this one feeling okay in, in the sense that you won the game, you had some uh, really good moments, but there, uh, for what seemed like maybe there wouldn't be as many uh, teaching moments in the game, that certainly uh, rectified itself from a, a coaching standpoint <laughs> over the second half. And uh, while the game never really got close enough, I think, to make anybody nervous, they got to 10 at one point, I think it got to nine, uh, maybe in the final two minutes there after a, after a turnover, uh, you know, never really felt in doubt, but definitely a lot of missed opportunities from IU to put the game away against a team that I think was um, better than what they showed in the first half in Louisiana Tech, who should challenge, uh, would challenge for the, uh, the Conference USA title. So, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely a lot to break down. It was it was funny. You sit and you, you start to kind of prepare in your mind a little bit for what we're going to talk about on the show. And that's the first little while I was like, man, this is fantastic. And then you watch the rest and I'm trying not to jam a pen in my eye, trying to uh, get through the rest of it. But, you know, overall, IU took care of business, played some of their best basketball over the course of the game. If you want to look at the positives, if you want to look at the negatives, then just look at the second half. Yeah, I think this was ultimately a game where uh, we did a, a lot of good things, but when the play got sloppy, that's when you need a veteran point guard like Rob Finnessy. And, and his injury tonight uh, only hurt us in a, in a way that we couldn't get settled down uh, when things were starting to go south there at the start of the, the second half. You know, uh, Justin had two turnovers. Al had two turnovers right away in, before the first media timeout. And I think there was another one. Like, that that was not the way to come out after a pretty solid first half. You know, up 16 – the, the game of basketball, Andy, is a game of runs, and, and as fans, we love it when our team runs out to a 23-point <laughs> lead, uh, but you know, water finds its level, that's going to come back into play. The shooting percentages were high for Indiana, so those things are going to level out throughout the course of the game, and so at 16 points, you felt, okay, this was a pretty good half overall, maybe a little sloppy defensively at the end, but 52 points. The second half just was a struggle uh, offensively from turnovers, bad decisions on shots, and uh, th that needs to be fixed in order to play some of the competition that we have coming up. But this was a top 100 team, and this was a team that went into Creighton and only lost by 10, and Creighton's thought to be a, a really good uh, Big East team. So I, I think overall, again, it's, it's better to win and, and to, to win – by double digits against the top 100 team, your first top 100 team on the schedule and, and feel like you need to learn from it, I guess. And, and, um, we'll, we'll go from there. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, you, you bring up Rob being out. Um, I, I listened to a little bit of the pregame, um, interview with Archie on my way home, uh, this evening. And he, he talked about Rob dealing with a, a myriad of injuries, I think is how he phrased it. 
I know Sean Morris on the broadcast brought up you know, the uh, you know that he you know did kind of get hit in the head in the other game. Um, so I think it's probably reasonable to, for everybody to probably jump to the conclusion that maybe they're they're looking for that. But Archie didn't mention that. Not that I necessarily think that he would. It just seemed like he was dealing with a lot. But it is you know we talked about this leading into the game where you know, Louisiana Tech very perimeter oriented not a lot of size. It was going to be a challenge for, for IU regardless. Certainly becomes more of a challenge when you really only have three true uh, backcourt players available for the game. And I do think they needed to find somebody to settle them down. And, and Al did a good job of that in the first half. I thought he really struggled uh, with his passing in the second half. And you know, that was really the thing. Most of the turnovers were just poor passes trying to you know fit the ball into a space that wasn't there a second late on making the pass uh most all of the ones in the in the first half or in the the early part of the second half felt like that variety to me and I think that is where you miss a a a truer point guard uh Armand had some good moments through three charges but also struggled taking care of the ball at times and um you know allowed a veteran team to to get him a little bit sped up and, and not getting the ball where they needed to uh, as they did in the first half. And uh, IU did get it, get Louisiana Tech into foul trouble, which eventually helped. But uh, I, I definitely felt that Rob's absence was felt most during that opening stretch uh, of that second half when, when IU really started to struggle. And like I said before, luckily the defense forced enough turnovers where uh, it, it didn't really come back to bite him as much. Uh, but, but that seemed to me to be the, you know the part where you you felt like you really needed some kind of steadying influence out there. So so in a game where Indiana wins by thirteen, four scores in double figures. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis twenty one points and eleven rebounds. Durham with eighteen points. Green with sixteen points. Fifteen of which I believe were in the first half. And Joey Brunk twelve. And, and so we need to remember that that's pretty good offensive uh, output for your Indiana Hoosiers. We will focus and talk here a little bit later about the, the number of turnovers were way too too many, but don't lose sight of the fact that Indiana is putting multiple guys in double figures, and that depth is it does wear teams out. And Indiana played poorly on offense in, in, in the second half, but Louisiana Tech was worn out trying to guard the size and the length of, of Indiana well and did not and was not able to take advantage of it. Now, will that play against a Florida State when you have a long stretch? I'm not sure it does, and that needs to be cleaned up here in the next week before uh, the December 3rd game. But there's some hidden things within the, the box score, too, of the pace and the physicality and getting players in foul trouble and getting to the double bonus at 11-10 in the second half, that really helped Indiana uh, play through a, a tough stretch uh, of offense. And so I would encourage fans to, yes, we are going to point out all of those uh, all of those deficiencies because the second half just left you wondering, wanting more and more and more after a great first half. But there was a lot of solid play. And even behind the struggling second half, Indiana never uh, – I think it got under 10 once very late – and uh, so I'm going to keep looking at this as, as somewhat of a positive with a lot of film session uh, coming forward. Yeah, I think you look from an offensive standpoint, uh, I believe they finished the game at least the way that I had, had charted it at like 1.07 points per possession, which is not great. But when you consider just how bad the second half was, it was well under a point per possession in the second half. 
while at times in the first half, I think it was un- maybe at the under, might have been the under 12 timeout. They were, uh, it was like 1.8, something uh, like that, which was just incredible. So it was, uh, I-, I think it's, if if the if it was reversed and they played as bad at the beginning as they did in the second half and things turned and played so well uh, as well late in the game as they did at the beginning, uh, it would probably be an interesting contrast in post game shows where I think the recency bias of watching how poorly they played makes us want to be uh, you know pretty down on on what happened and uh, and I think there's reason to be concerned about part of that. But when the game was really in doubt at the beginning, IU came out and, and jumped on them, and I think that's something that we really had not seen a whole lot from this team over the course of the season so far. It felt like they'd played most of their best basketball coming out of the locker room to start the second half. So this was the, you know, bizarro Indiana or whatever, whatever you want to call it, where they really uh, came out and played well. But I thought Trace, um, you know, we mentioned wanting, uh, you know, Rob as a, a steadying influence. I thought Trace was the steadying influence tonight, always provided somebody that they could go inside to. Uh, played well, getting to the line again, 11 of 13 from the line, ended up with a double-double. Uh, he he was on a night when he didn't have the point guard as the security blanket. He was the security blanket tonight, and uh, another really strong performance from him. Got a couple really good buckets, just you know, quick spin move to the baseline uh, where, where he made a shot and got fouled. Good offensive rebounds uh, at times to extend possessions and uh, just continues to be impressive with with all the things that he can do. So if there was one guy who was a, a steadying influence, it was him uh, tonight for me. I think he did a great job rebounding the basketball. I love I love the way he goes after uh, the rebounds. A lot of them, most of them are two-hand rebounds just to go rip them down and that quick uh, explosion off the ground. And his post moves have keep getting better and better and better. He catches the ball. He goes quick. And I think a couple times he might have been a little tired, missed some shots that we now expect him to make. And I think he only missed one free throw. I, I have too many uh, things open for hosting the yeah, show, I think so he, I don't I have think the box score. He, he was 11 of he was eleven to 13. Okay, but, 11 yeah, for 13 only. from a post player. Um, that does settle you down when things are going tough. You can't always play perfect. You need someone to settle you down, and it's nice that the post player did it. We do need a guard to play uh, that role as well. Yeah, he also nearly killed a guy when he tried to dunk on somebody at the end of the game, which was uh, which was impressive if he had been able to pull it off. Yeah, and, and you just with our track record, you're like, okay, I appreciate that and I like it, but come away with <laughs> come away unscathed, please, because we don't yeah. we don't want to talk about that anymore. Yeah, Who, definitely. Uh, anytime anybody on IU goes down, there's a there's a audible sigh of relief whenever they get back up after the fact. What else stood out to you, Andy, that uh, on the positive side before after our break here, we start talking about uh, maybe some of the things that they struggled with tonight? I, I thought in the first half, uh, Devontae and Al were both fantastic. They led uh, led the team in scoring. They both struggled in the second half, so we'll we'll get into that, I'm sure. But if you, you know, first half, Al had 12, Devontae had 15, uh, and, and they both just played really confidently but smart. Uh, Al did have a couple turnovers in the first half, I believe. Uh, one of those, I, I'm not sure I would pin on him that somebody mishandled the pass. And, um, But I thought those guys played within themselves in a way that in the second half they, they seemed to get away from, but really shot the ball confidently. That's the thing that really continues to stand out with Al is just how confident he is and how they were able to get easy buckets by really pushing the ball. I think the first six, eight points were all just IU ramming it down Louisiana Tech's throat, getting the ball down the court fast, really attacking the basket, 
Uh, Al did that really well to start the game. And so, you know, those two really set the tone in the first half and uh, set maybe a bar that they would not be able to attain in the second half. Uh, But, but that was really the other thing that stood out to me. And it's, it, it feels like almost a different game when you think back to those first you know, 12 minutes or so, but I thought they moved well without the ball, repositioned themselves to be able to get open threes and knocked them down, which as everyone knows is something that this team has struggled to do. Certainly did not shoot the ball as well in the second half. Oh, of six from three point range in total for the team. Not just, uh, not just those guys and, and even only 32% from the floor uh, in total. But, but I thought the first half, they really got IU off to a good start by being aggressive, by being smart and, and really, by finding ways to get themselves open off the ball for for good good looks and taking advantage of those once they got them. You know, both those guards did a great job, I, I think, getting the game to where it was at 16 points at halftime. And then it always looks bad when you turn the ball over and the decisions are somewhat lackadaisical. They weren't really aggressive mistakes. And that is on L and that is on Devontae. But again, the the things that you mentioned, the, the, the shooting – I saw uh, Devontae do a nice job of, of tagging a guy. Race Thompson lost a guy on the wing or had, had a, lost a step, and Devontae was there and I think either caused a travel or, or a deflection that turned into an Indiana uh, fast break. And I thought there were a lot of those moments, but those two guys I thought really sparked Indiana and, and got off to a, a good start. And then their turnovers – you know, it, it, we still have that memory of, of bad Devontae, good Devontae, and when he makes some mistakes, we all jump to the conclusion that it's going to be a rash of, of bad Devontae. But if we charted tonight's game, I imagine it would probably be uh, a better Devontae than than an overall bad performance. And it's always good to, to get that on film and remind uh, him what he needs to do. But Durham's production has just been fantastic, I think, all year. 18 points. The turnover's way too many, but you know, you do need that production um, from the guards. So coming up, uh, we will continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss or loss. Uh, I'm reading the script. Indiana's victory over uh, Louisiana Tech. I will point out today's meaningful moment you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers and highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. You're listening to the assembly call IU postgame show. I'm Brian Tonsoni here with Andy Bottoms, and we're breaking down Indiana's victory tonight against Louisiana Tech. Uh, I read the right part of the script there um, as Jared prepares these for us. And uh, it's time for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed. I, I have a few, and Andy, if you have some, we'll, we'll, we'll jump right in. I'm going to start off with uh, two guys I talked about on the halftime show. Uh, the, the stats offensively in the box score might not have been there, and I don't know how much of an impact they, were there, they had overall on the game. But in the first half, when Jerome Hunter and Demise Anderson both got their chance on the floor, I thought we saw a much better defensive effort stance, 
with those two in the first half. Demise didn't get a lot of run in the second half, but in the Princeton game, both of those guys got limited minutes because they weren't locked in defensively. And and the reason that's meaningful to me that a lot of people might have missed is because that's taking the transfer from one game and the lessons that Coach Miller had from that game and the practices since and put it into play. And I thought for the most part, those guys did what they had to do defensively. Demise hit a few shots at a key moment to keep that uh, first half moving. And those are the kinds of things that I like to see as a coach. Whatever your minutes, whatever your role, be ready to perform at a high level. And I thought those guys, when their number was called, played solid defense. Yeah, I thought they did a decent job. That that stretch toward the end of the first half that I mentioned where they moved Trace to the five, IU had really been struggling with some of the things they were trying to do with ball screens. I know that's become a, a kind of beating a dead horse at this point with with the way that Brunk extends on those. Deron had trouble moving quickly enough to be able to get back. And so Archie went to that lineup toward the end of the first half that was uh, Trace at the five, Justin and, and Jerome, I believe, uh, at the other two forward spots. And then uh, I think it was either Allen, Allen Devante, or Allen and Armand in the backcourt. And I thought that helped. Uh, they gave up one contested three that was made, I think, over the last three minutes uh, of that half. I thought that lineup functioned pretty well. Continue to see Jerome get a little bit more comfortable uh, with what he's doing defensively. Knock down a few free throws. Uh, Demise really the only moment that I really you know remember that was a negative for him. He took a quick three that led to a run out uh, for the other team, and and he tried to get back and block the shot. But I thought overall um, those guys gave minutes. Those were two guys that Archie singled out on the uh, on the pregame show, and uh, even the announcers on the the broadcast mentioned it that you know he viewed I think in some ways. Rob's absence as an opportunity for those guys to step up and just talked about, you know, they need for them to be able to step in and, and make plays and absorb some of those minutes. So they did that in the first half. I think Jerome played four minutes in the second half. Demise didn't play uh, at all, but I thought they did contribute in the first half to, uh, to, to the, the strong run that IU had. Yeah, and and that's good to see because depth is important, and, and it's also important for guys to know they don't have to fill up a box score to have meaningful moments towards towards a victory. The other thing, I'm going to piggyback on something that you said uh, about um, Trace Jackson Davis being a, a calming uh, influence. The number of times after timeouts they went inside by design, and, and you have to give credit to Coach Miller. I have it, 16-23, the second half, a sloppy start. I think Archie takes a timeout. They go into TJD, he scores. Then after it's 56-40 after the first media timeout of the second half and the first play after is another post feed into Trace Jackson Davis. I like seeing that from Coach Miller that we're not playing well, we're kicking the ball around, let's go inside and get an easy shot at the basket, hopefully a score and and maybe a foul. And then several times after a couple bad possessions, Indiana deliberately went inside. I know that's something that we all saw, uh, but – to see the production coming out of timeouts and coming out of bad series of play, to have someone like that that you said calmed us down, but it was a team effort in getting him the post play. It's just really nice to have a guy like Trace Jackson Davis that you can go to in tough times. Yeah, Sean Morris brought it up on the on the broadcast. I don't know. Jared mentioned this the other night that maybe being a dad has made him seem better but I found myself agreeing with him a lot and it was one one sequence where uh, they ran the same play a couple times in a row or, or a couple times within a few possessions of one another and basically was just saying hey if they can't stop it continue to go to them and so 
IU does a pretty good job of screening inside to be able uh, to give him just enough of an opening to be able to, to get there. And Louisiana Tech at times was really aggressive double teaming the post. Uh, that led to him being able to make that quick spin move to the baseline that was a really good play. And I, you mentioned earlier that he continues to look more comfortable with his post moves. I feel like you just see a little bit more from him every game where you see him learning, you see him making adjustments, uh, even in game. And so that, you know, real quick spin uh, gave him a basket. And and so I think they're just going to continue to find more and more ways to, to get him involved. But he, he produced uh, really made a number of baskets or free throws that uh, didn't allow Louisiana tech to get close enough for anybody to really sweat it out. And, and my third um, meaningful moment that you, you might've uh, missed is Justin Smith's play on defense. I know there was a lot of talk in, in a variety of places that I was uh, getting messages from that Justin was struggling and, and he might have not scored a lot, but I thought his, Awareness on the weak side, several times he was contesting shots at the basket. One time he had a nice block and was wrongly called uh, by those officials, uh, those Bo Borowski wannabes. Um, that, that was a sweet block on that side. He gets a back tap steal on a fast break late. He had several transition deflections where Louisiana Tech was trying to uh, push the ball. And, and what I want to point out is – when things aren't going well offensively, that hurts a lot of times. Players will will drop their heads and lose attention to detail on defense, and especially someone who's caught a lot of grief from a lot of us that Justin's been up and down with his focus. To see Justin, what I thought was really locked in, they put him on the Archibald uh, kid who scored over 20 points uh, tonight, was really hot late. To see Justin stay locked in on the defensive end might have been something that a lot of people miss because we as fans always look at the box score and the ball going in the basket. But I, I want to give uh, kudos out to Justin Smith for staying locked in and making some really key plays defensively while the offensive game wasn't his sharpest tonight. Yeah, we we were texting a little bit about that during the game. I, I would agree with you uh, that I felt like he stayed locked in defensively continue to you know play hard on that end of the floor and make some positive contributions he just struggled to really get himself going offensively we've we've talked about that i know chad has brought that up about how important it feels like it is to for him to see one go through the hoop pretty early in the game that didn't really happen his only basket i think was on a really nice offensive rebound and put back and ended up one of six from the floor in 32 minutes uh, for him to take six shots in that scenario I didn't really feel like he forced it um and so I think uh, again that's something that you look at from him uh, from a growth standpoint where he he was able to to stay locked in in a game when he wasn't getting a ton of shots wasn't really involved a whole lot offensively and continued to be able to make some plays and you know we can say lots of things about plus minus over a, a one game scenario his was second best on the team I think he did make contributions when he was out there I'll, Ultimately, you want to see him do more. Uh, you don't like the one for three from the free throw line, and and you you've seen him uh, the way that he's played for the most part in the season. You know, give you those flashes and the more consistent flashes. But I I thought in a game when he there's plenty of games. I feel like this would be in the minority if you looked at games where he didn't have gaudy stats, where you'd say. I can point out a few plays where he really made key contributions and, and did some good things on the floor. I think that has been a rarity 
to this point in his career where if you couldn't point at you know tangible statistical things, you would struggle to to point out ways that he impacted the game in a positive way. And I didn't feel that way tonight. Yeah, I just I like that because with this team and so much depth, there's going to be some high scores some nights, and maybe you get under ten points the next night. But you need to have consistent play and in taking care of the ball. I did think he got sloppy with the ball too at the start of the second half, and I thought he settled for a couple shots. So I'm not totally pleased with with anyone's uh, game overall. Maybe Trace Jackson Davis, the one player who I thought played completely, but. Uh, that that is a big step because if Indiana is going to play well, they're going to need to have Justin locked in. And the fact, Andy, that he for me that he only took six shots was really really uh, important. That he's not forcing it, uh, and I think that's what Devonte has done well for the most part. When did Devonte make mistakes tonight? When he was trying to force it, and Justin didn't do that. Justin, um, I thought was okay tonight. And, and I think that's something that a lot of people might've missed. So it's time now to go inside the numbers. Andy, I'm going to turn to you and then I'm going to go peek at the box score real quick. Uh, what numbers uh, stood out to you either um, as, as a team or individual? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to shoehorn in a couple of moments that I had jotted down as well. Uh, go ahead. Actually one, well, one of them happened three times. It was Armand Franklin taking a charge. I believe he took three uh, over the course of the game. And again, wasn't a game that he uh, was, overly effective him, but he did a little bit of everything, four points, three rebounds, two assists. Uh, and, and I thought he, he gave the team some good minutes, did a good job getting back defensively, getting in position to draw those charges. And, and the other was, I, I think Archie only took two timeouts, but both of them were at times when IU was struggling and, and much was made last year of not just in-game situations, but really the season about how things kind of went too far before he was able to step in and try to to stop things. I thought anytime he sensed that there was trouble tonight, he was pretty proactive in taking timeouts. In the first half, there was a sequence where they gave up a drive to the basket. Trace didn't, you know, kind of reached his hand in, but didn't really try to slide over. Um, that led to an and one. Then they turned the ball over. Alawa made three uh, from a guy that was wide open. Took a timeout immediately. Uh, took a timeout early in the second half before the the media timeout, given all the turnovers, and so I think you see some, I don't know, growth from him. I don't, I don't know whatever whatever you want to call that, but just being able to really want to step in and stop these things before they get too far out of line. Now I'm I'm not so sure. I thought the the one in the first half worked a little bit better if you look at how you played in the immediate aftermath of that timeout than the second one. But uh, I like seeing him make adjustments to the way that he did and and fix things that maybe he didn't. Uh, do as well as he would have wanted to uh, a year ago, uh, but from a statistical standpoint, uh, it, it really let, let me okay. let me jump in and ask you a question. Coming off of that, okay. do do you see his animation on the sideline is a lot more than what it was last year? And, and he's made a lot of those timeouts. Most of the second halves have been pretty good. Uh, not today, but I think he was mad that the adjustments they talked about weren't being executed. What do you think about his level of intensity and animation this year? It seems so much different, so much like what we thought we would have. And, and then, then the question comes, why was he somewhat subdued uh, during all of that last year? Uh, but I like it uh, a lot. I'm biased, but I, I do like that animation quite a bit. What, what do you think's the difference and, and why is he doing that? Because it seems to be working. I, you know, I don't know. I'm sure there's a, we could probably do a whole segment on a, on a show trying to try to figure out the psychology of that. I, the, what I don't know. So I will say that potentially this year, he's got more of the, 
I'm going to, I'm going to go to the quote unquote, his guy's argument here, but uh, he's got more guys that, that he, I don't know if he feels can handle that kind of coaching or that want that kind of coaching or that, you know, are, are guys that he really know it has a better handle on their mindset and motivation and, and those kinds of things. I, that's obviously pure speculation on my part. And, and I think the other part of it is probably just, I'm not going to let the things happen that happened last year to really derail the season. And so if that means, you know, steering away from what I did a year ago, uh, I think that could have as much to do with it as anything. Just, I'm not going to make the same mistakes. And even if that means in some cases you, you might feel like you're overcompensating and swinging the pendulum too far the other way. I, I think he is, is probably introspective enough and self-aware enough to know that the way that he coached last year's team, despite the differences in personnel and personalities and all those things is not a way that he's going to feel good losing. So it's one thing to say, Hey, I'm going to lose doing it. You know, if I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose doing it my way and not, you know, compromising on things like that. So I, I don't know. That'd be an interesting question if you had a, you know, a truth serum to him to figure out what, what that really is or says. Um, but I also think that you, you, you really aren't at a point yet. You want to be uh, at this point, but you know, all the talk about like player led teams and, and things like that. I don't think they're quite there yet. And I think they need some of that, especially in a game when Rob's not out there uh, to be, you know, the coach on the floor and, all those cliche type things, but uh, he's made it very clear that things that I feel like got let go last year are not going to get let go this year. And some of that speaks to the depth on the team. I mean, you had 10 guys playing the first half and nine of them, uh, you know, scored at least a point and, and grabbed at least one rebound. That That's good depth. There's guys waiting to take your minutes if you're not going to do what he's asking you to do. You bring up a great point about uh, leadership because your, your seniors, you know, have been injured and not playing and, and sitting out some and, and say, so has your point guard who has been probably one of your better leaders. So the three guys that you kind of look for to really take that team over have been in and out of practice and in and out of games. And so maybe he's trying to, to deliver some of that, uh, to send the message. And, and so that's, that's just been fun to watch, I think from, from my vantage point. So what stats, uh, do you, uh, look at tonight to, that uh, are, are good or maybe a few that that aren't so good well on the on the positive side the getting to the free throw line continues to be a strength and making free throws continues to be a, a strength uh for this team i felt like they actually missed more in the second half than it seemed like they did miss eight in the second half they're 20 of 28 but overall for the game got to the line 38 times made 28 of them for uh, almost 74 percent that that continues to be a strength and that really tonight when the offense was struggling a lot in the second half was a way to get Easy points to the fact that they got Louisiana Tech in foul trouble, got themselves in the bonus and the double bonus uh, pretty early, allowed them to, you know, kind of coast along, I guess you could say, uh, from an offensive standpoint after that. So that that is a positive. The three-point shooting in the second half was uh, was not, I think there was not really, I wouldn't even call it fool's gold in the first half because the, the quality of the three-point shots that you got in the first half when they were six out of 13, was so much better than the ones they got in the second half. So I don't think that's a Louisiana tech duped you into shooting threes and and you made some, so it felt like you were better than you actually were. I just thought the quality of the shots uh, there was far better than, uh, than what we saw after that. And on the, you know, the negative side, it has to be the turnovers The we talk about wanting to have uh, 12 for the course of the game. They had 12 in the second half and, uh, and just, 
really came in bunches at the beginning of the uh, of the second half. That was probably the most disappointing part. It's one thing to not get great shots. It's one thing to miss shots, and they, they did miss some shots around the basket that I think more often than not they're going to convert. Uh, but but it was really just the the turnovers and the somewhat careless careless nature, at the very least preventable nature uh, of so many of them that really stood out. Uh, overall, defensively, you know, allowed Louisiana Tech to shoot almost fifty percent from the floor. Uh, I thought at times really got themselves out of position by the way they uh, hedged on ball screens. And you can see uh, the one theme that has really, to me, been regardless of the opponent, uh, that, that opponents are really anytime Trace and, and Joey, or not Trace, um, Deron and Joey are on the floor, they're putting those guys in as many ball screens as they possibly can and trying to see what happens. And I think there are times when guys do a really good job of covering for each other and rotating and, and, cover up some of those mistakes and there's other times it really gets everybody in rotation and and Louisiana Tech did a good job of spreading the floor given their given their size and and what they want to do offensively and made it really hard to get out to shooters so that continues to be a, a potential problem area as you look forward if they can't get some of those things uh straightened up you may see more uh, of those smaller lineups you know it, th- that ball screen coverage uh I did a breakdown of it in the community and it's just frustrating that uh you know, Joey has some struggles. He goes out too far, and then he, he's a little slower to recover. Uh, I wonder if he could just close out a little, you know, hedge a little bit less, or is it just his momentum gets going? I, I'm not sure what's going on because Trace Jackson Davis, Justin Smith, those guys, when they hedge, they get the ball going backwards, which is the goal of a high hedge, and then they can recover. I thought there was some decent backside rotation at times, but when there's not, or you have to over-rotate to the man crashing at the basket, that leaves those corner threes open, and, and teams are going to hit that all year. So I, I just I think that needs to be fixed. And, boy, in five or six games, Joey especially just really runs out uh, a little bit out of control and doesn't break down into a stance and, and where he's able to take a next first step back uh, to recover. Uh, you know, so that, that, that has been a frustrating aspect. And the turnovers – you know, 18 overall is just not acceptable. I'm sure Archie is going to be livid, and they're going to be on the end line running for 18 turnovers, and I believe they had 12 of those in the second half. So that is not a way to handle a 16-point lead, and you're going to need to have some leads and protect some leads down the stretch. Hopefully we have a lot of them, uh, especially on the road. you got to have ball toughness and be ball sure, and, and Indiana uh, wasn't. So um, coming up on – the assembly call, we're going to hand out our game balls and hit any other lingering storylines. Look ahead to Indiana's uh, next opponents, and then it'll be time for next call. Stick with us. Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. You're listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure to sign up for 
free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That's IU to 66866. I'm Brian Tonsoni here with Andy Bottoms, and we're breaking down Indiana's victory over Louisiana Tech. It's now time for our game balls. So far, Al Durham has one. Trace Jackson Davis has three, and Devontae Green has one. Andy, I'm going to let you go. I, I, I will. I would wager good money. I know what you're going to pick. Uh, who gets your game ball? Yeah, this was uh yeah, we joked and there were there were comments in the the text chain for this one that uh this segment may need to be renamed in in Trace's honor, but uh I I certainly think it was him tonight as I said, he he was the security blanket when things started to go awry and and they needed a steadying influence in the second half. He really provided that 21 points, 11 rebounds, had a couple blocks and a steal as well. Uh just thought he uh he played well really from from start to finish. And and continues to be really impressive. So it was a it was a relatively easy one. The way Al and Devante started, uh, I think they there was a, per, perhaps some early thought that they would be in the the front runners for this game. But uh, the way they took care of the ball in the second half and the way Trace played uh, tipped the scales in his favor. Yeah, both those guards got off to really great starts, and you were and and Indiana was up uh, quite a bit. And Trace Jackson Davis and Justin Smith only had six points together at one point I think someone uh, relayed to me in a text message and you're like okay this is the game where where Trace isn't going to get his it's going to be a guard oriented game and then all of a sudden he he explodes up um, and, and as we said a lot earlier had to get him the ball in the post had to, had to settle the team down because they were not being efficient with the ball and he was he ready and the most impressive thing about Trace uh, Andy is is free throw shooting and that is just huge for a, a for a big guy who's tough to handle down low to draw fouls one and then to make the other teams pay by shooting 11 of 13 uh, from the free throw line so Trace Jackson gets my game ball I think it's uh, almost unanimous in the the chat room uh, so uh, Trace Jackson Davis gets a game ball number four so um indiana six and oh overall would you say andy that this game was uh one of their better games or have they played better or do you take into effect that they played louisiana tech a top 100 and there was going to be some ebbs and flows in this game uh and they did cover the 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 projected spread for those who are out there uh concerned with with that by winning by 13 I I would in some ways I would say they played both their best stretches of basketball and their worst stretches of basketball over the course of this game. Uh, so I don't know where that <laughs> leaves the game on balance. Uh, makes it a little bit hard to answer. I I definitely think the first twelve minutes. I, I think it would be hard to argue that they had played better during any stretch. Certainly, given the competition than what they came out and I was looking through some of the quotes from the post game, Al talked about that was really what they wanted to do was come out and set the tone early. And, and Archie even said, you know, the guards really played well in the first half and and added that as well as they played in the first half, they were just as bad in the second. Uh, talked about the turnover is uh, I believe the term dribble fest was used at some point. Uh, Dustin Dupierre had a quote from Archie: "The less this team dribbles, the better it's going to be." Uh, so I think that's definitely fair. So it's uh, a little bit odd in, the, in that regard. So I, I guess if you want to look at the first half, I'd say it was their best game. And if you want to look at the second, uh, arguably it was their worst. And so on balance, maybe that puts it somewhere uh, in the middle. But I do think Louisiana Tech gave them a, a, a better test than what we've seen uh, from the other games and what we're likely to see 
against South Dakota State over the weekend. So not a uh, you know not, not not great, not terrible. Um, just kind of uh, you know overall, even though there were some pretty extremes one way or the other, I think the game itself ended up a little bit down the middle. Yeah, I I ultimately think this was a solid game because of the opponent. Uh, when, when you play teams that are 250 or above in Ken Palm and when the net ranking comes out, those teams, uh, it's it's supposed to be a, an easy win. And if you play well and win by 26, you know, that's kind of some false hope. But this team won 20 games last year, had some players coming back, d- does a lot of nice things, it posed some problems matchup-wise because of how small they were and how quick they were. And overall, Indiana handled it. Um, so uh, I think that's that's overall a, a good thing. So we need to talk about a couple um, um, more. Race Thompson, Andy, your, your thoughts on Race's efforts this evening. He continues to impress me, and I actually like to see him get even more minutes. Yeah, I was surprised looking at the box score that he only ended up with 11. It was really largely six guys playing the bulk of the minutes tonight uh, with the, the five starters and Devonte race was the next with 11 and then Jerome Hunter, uh, added four. So I, yeah, I mean, for me, race had six points, uh, two rebounds in those 11 minutes. And I think he continues to, to be a solid defender. As you talk about guys being able to rotate and really understand that he, he seems to have a good sense of that, uh, for the most part. So I, I would like to see more of him as well. I can see why from a personnel standpoint, that was, potentially a challenge tonight but you did see him step out and make a three in the first half that's something that has been talked about that he's been able to do uh, who knows how big of a part of his arsenal that eventually becomes but uh, I thought he gave him some solid minutes as a reserve in the front court and wouldn't have minded you know seeing his minutes tick up a little bit closer to you know 15 16 uh, something like that but I think uh, it, it's certainly hard to argue based on what we've seen thus far that he's uh you know, you, you can't argue against him being a core part of the rotation uh, at this stage. And and he's another guy, much like Trace, that I feel like you're going to be able to watch and and be able to see tangible improvement from game in and game out as he gets more uh, experience at the college level. And Race hit a three. It's really nice to see him be able – we've heard that he's been able to step out and, and hit the, that three. And he's really sh- – you know, not sharing time, but he's backing up Justin – and Justin was needed tonight more defensively than offensively, and Justin's going to get more minutes. I think you're going to see Race's minutes drop because I think it's going to be TJD and and Brunk and some of those others playing the five. And he's also backing up uh, uh, Trace at the four. So when those guys are going well, then your 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 minutes are going to be limited. But I really would like to see him get in there. And, you know, we, we, we're busting Joey on his ball screen coverage, but he did have uh, double digits again, and he does play hard. There's several times when he is fighting for rebounds, keeping the ball alive. That's what he was brought in, team leadership and toughness. And regardless of, of sometimes what we find his faults to be defensively, uh, those are some things that aren't in the box score as well. Do you agree? Yeah, I thought he made some really nice plays in the middle of the zone. Uh, Louisiana Tech toward, I think it was the end of the first half. They didn't, I don't feel like they played a lot of it in the second half, but you know they switched to his zone. He made a couple of nice, uh, nice plays in the middle of that, had a good turnaround jump shot as well, uh, and and had four assists, so tied for the team lead in assists on a night when IU only had 13, I think just three in the second half, I want to say. So that was uh, another ugly one from a, a statistical perspective, but uh, I think a smart player in one, like I said, he – 
you watch them go to that zone, he pretty much immediately got into there. They tried to run some high-low stuff with he and uh, and Trace. I think that's one of the things that if IU's going to play two big guys, they've got to be uh, – needs to be a part of the arsenal, something they can get better at uh, from a, a post-entry standpoint. But, uh, yeah, I thought he he had some good moments uh, overall. And, and, you know, this was – I, I think in much in the way that the the game was a, a little bit of the good and a little bit of the bad for this team, I think it was a little bit of the good and a little bit of the bad for him. You, you certainly see, based on what he did and how he produced, and from a basketball IQ standpoint, all those kinds of things, you see why Archie you know wants to keep playing him when you you know compare him to a guy like Race that we talk about. How do you get more minutes? And and you see some things that he needs to get better at from a, a defensive perspective, which is really the. Uh, you know, the bigger issue for him, but being able to hit a few, you know, kind of mid range uh, jump shots uh, is a positive for him. I think you see some of the offensive skill uh, that you, that you'd like to, and there needs to be some level of spacing. So if he's able to hit that 10, 12 footer in the lane, that becomes an important shot for IU offensively. I thought he was a big part of the zone offense. Uh, as I mentioned in the halftime, I thought the zone slowed IU down, not so much offensively, but hurt them defensively because they got out of their aggressiveness. But several times the ball got into Joey in that mid-post against the zone. He was able to turn and hit that mid-range jumper you're talking about. And there's also some good decisions passing high-low out of that. And and I don't think it was Joey, but I think it was someone else. It might have been Duran when he was in. The ball went in, kicked out for a three. That's good zone offense. Uh, not sure how great Louisiana Tech zone is but it, it was good to see a concept and 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 joey was was a big part of that so it's now time to uh, uh give out a couple reminders there's no uh, assembly call radio this week because of thanksgiving enjoy your family and there's a lot to be thankful for for all of us i know andy and i are both thankful for good families and good friends and and all of our listeners here on assembly call uh andy we also have a game on saturday iu versus south dakota state the post game show will be on saturday uh, what can you tell us about uh, South Dakota State? Well, they're a, a, an interesting team because I think the the temptation is to look and see what they what they were potentially a year ago. As you see them on the schedule, they had Mike Dom, who was a really good player there for a while, uh, and I believe their their best guard followed their coach to UNLV. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, T.J. Otzelberger was the coach, and uh, I'm scrolling down here. You got David Jenkins, I believe, is the uh, the guard who followed him there. So. A lot of production to replace thus far uh, for South Dakota State. They're five and three right now. They do play one other game. They play Samford, uh, not to be confused with Stanford. Uh, between now and when the uh, the IU game is, they've lost to all the better teams they've played. They lost by eighteen at USC, lost by seventeen at Nebraska, and by just seven uh, at Arizona in their uh, one of their last games. So, a, a team that that to me, IU should uh, again be able to. To handle you want to see him jump on him early and be able to sustain that effort for a bit longer uh, than than what we saw tonight uh, they don't force a ton of turnovers so that's potentially a good thing on the heels of what we watched in the second half uh their defensive numbers uh from an efficiency standpoint are not very good they're 241st right now uh as i look at it so have done a decent job of limiting opposing shooters uh but really in any of the other four factors haven't been particularly good and uh they've not shot the three well which is uh probably a sign they'll hit about 14 when they come into assembly hall on uh on saturday <laughs> and uh, they have shot twos well 56 percent uh on twos so uh those are really from a, a team standpoint the the stats to look at uh iu favored at this point by 18 uh it looks like on ken palm and so uh, again a game that uh, iu should feel relatively comfortable in and and really the last one for IU to 
potentially have uh, a little bit easier time of things before uh, they get into the gauntlet that starts with that Florida State game uh, in December. So you don't want to see IU look ahead. I think uh, from from IU standpoint, you're kind of playing against yourself uh, a little bit in these scenarios. And on the heels of tonight's game, you want to see them start the game with the same ferocity that they started the you know tonight's game but but can they sustain that a little bit more take better care of the basketball and uh and kind of get back to some of the good habits that we saw early in this game uh to build on those as you head into the tougher part of the schedule you are listening to the assembly call iu post game show remember that because you're an assembly call listener you get 20 percent off your entire order at homefieldapparel.com with the promo code assembly 20 so if you want a great deal on the most comfortable and unique IU apparel that you'll find anywhere, go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your entire entire order. Okay, Andy, it's time for uh, your last call. Uh, what impression of the Hoosiers um, is going to stick with you after tonight? I, I feel like I need to go rewatch the first half before I go to bed. That'll leave me feeling a, a little bit better. I would encourage other people to do the same, or if you didn't watch the game, just shut it off after you uh, after you get to the half. But uh, maybe even the first twelve minutes, you can really save yourself some time. I it, it was you looked at this game of the of the November games, and this was the one that it felt like you'd learn the most about this team because it would be the most challenging. And I think in some ways you can look and say that you did you did learn a little bit about what this team can be maybe not at its peak, but, but playing close to its peak, uh, even without Rob. And, and then in the second half, you see what this team might look like without him and how the backcourt depth is uh, a bit of a slippery slope at this point, given the number of games that IU has already missed and, and what you have there. So it was, you know, kind of like we've said throughout a, a, an uneven performance that, uh, if you want to focus in on the things that IU did well in the first part of the game, you come away with a really positive impression and feel good about what this team is going to look like going into a more difficult portion of the schedule. If you watch only the second half, uh, you're probably scared to death and uh, and don't feel great about it at all. And I think the truth probably is somewhere in the middle for this team right now. Uh, but they are 6-0, and and there's something to be said for that for sure. Uh, there are other teams in the Big Ten who can't say the same. And, and so I think that is a positive. The depth continues to be a positive where you've got guys who you can turn to who are going to come in and contribute uh, in, in could, what could be a small number of minutes, what could be you know, double-digit minutes off the bench. And, and you've got a guy in Trace that I think you're really able to build around. And if you can get good guard play like you did in the first half to sustain itself in the second half, and you've got a guy like Trace playing really hard inside – it's hard not to get excited about how this team can grow over the course of the season. Uh, Archie made comments to that effect in the post game, talking about how far they had to go defensively, but he does feel comfortable that the pieces are there to get better uh, in that regard. And so um, it, it kind of just becomes a, a, a test for you of what you really want to look at and value and, and how optimistic you are uh, going forward, quite honestly, about, about this team. So I'll choose to take the, the positive side of things and, and focus in more on how they played in the first half, because I think that was, uh, was really impressive. And, and despite how poorly they played offensively in the second half, I think defensively they did enough to never really let the game um, get close enough where you had to worry. I think there was one point where the crowd, you could tell got a little bit nervous and started cheering a lot when I, you had the ball, like, can you just get a basket or two here to push this thing back up closer to 15 and, uh, and then ride it out from there. So maybe there was, you know, maybe one nervous moment from a fan perspective, at least in the arena, based on 
what I could judge, but I thought overall kept them at arm's length and, and did a, a reasonable job of doing that. So a, a, a decent but uneven performance. Another solid one from Trace. And uh, the, the lingering thought you walk away with is you just need to see Rob get healthy, stay healthy. Uh, Archie talked about a rib and an abdominal injury that he's dealing with. So who knows whether that has anything to do with the you know, shot to the head as well as everybody's kind of brought up. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, you do see how important he is. You do see the guard depth. And uh, I think at full strength, this team can really surprise some people. Uh, we just haven't seen the team at full strength. That Zach Osterman had some crazy stat before the game last time. The full complement of scholarship players had been available. So uh, that's a little bit frightening and, and has become far too commonplace at this point. So I would love to see what this team can be like at full strength because I think you saw enough uh, with the guys that they had tonight to feel good about it it just is a matter of uh when and if that's going to happen and for how long yeah I, I believe the the first 12 minutes is what indiana can play at its best with the ball moving and with great defensive effort uh, and then they fell back into some of the things that they can't do uh but the other thing is how do you handle adversity the whole second half was a struggle and indiana never really got underneath uh, 10 points or were put in position to to have a devastating loss on your home court uh, with that big win. And we're seeing a lot of teams struggle uh, to get wins uh, and to get wins against uh, different levels of competition across the spectrum of, of NCAA men's basketball. So good win for Indiana. Top 100 team on Ken Palm. We'll take it. We'll move on. We'll see the next game on Saturday. And um, that's it. We're done. No more questions. I guess Ryan needed to uh, get some cereal. So that will do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall.com. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produced much of the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Thursday night. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank everybody for coming out. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. expensive now this is an insurance moment but three's got it covered three is a product of berkshire hathaway direct insurance company three no nonsense just common sense some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with allstate not one based on carol she's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her why pay a rate based on anyone else get one based on you with drivewise from allstate not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.